Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Posnanski, and uh, with Rio getting closer and closer by the minute, very, very lucky today to have uh, one of the best in the business, uh, NBC's own uh, Dan Hicks. Uh, Dan, first of all, thank you for taking the time. My pleasure, Joe. Always good to chat with you. It's great. Very excited. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I might sneak a couple of golf questions in just because, uh, you know, we are we are getting ready for the PGA uh, and all of that. But obviously the focus is is the Olympics and, and you will be doing swimming again. Uh, this is when was the first Olympics that you actually did swimming? Wow. The 96. So Rowdy and I are a constant uh, <laughs> swimming team, which is hard to believe now for six Olympics. And you do the math. They come they come around every four years. It's quite a long, quite a piece of longevity in broadcasting that I'm really proud of. Rowdy's Rowdy's as good as a human being as they, as they come and uh, and in just the same quality as a broadcaster. So uh, I've been lucky to, to be with him and lucky to you know, get get into a sport that, um, quite frankly, uh, wasn't quite as high on the radar as it was back in '96 when I started. But uh, Michael Phelps has had a lot to do with that, and it's put a microscope on it uh, big time every four years in the Olympics. So uh, this will be number six, and uh, looking forward to doing another one. It's incredible, and and, and your point about uh, Michael Phelps taking the sport to a new level. We'll 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 definitely talk about that. But you know, I just was talking with with Tom Hammond, who obviously is one of the one of the one of the greats and and uh, is doing track and field and he was telling me you know his career had been he'd done everything and then one day Dick Ebersol said to him what do you know about track and field and he said nothing and he said okay well you're doing the US US track and field championships in a couple of weeks how, how did you cuz you you had a similarly you know you have a lot of variety in your career you've you've done many many different sports so how did how did swimming even come up for you yeah, I would say it's a similar tale to Tom, uh, to Tom's deal. Um, you know, I got a call uh, back before the 96 games. I'd been at NBC for just a few years and um, and, and was just asked, what do, you, what do you think of swimming? And I, I just said, well, it uh, seems like a nice sport. Uh, don't know a lot about it, especially from a broadcast standpoint. And, uh, you know, grew up swimming a little bit, you know, on the, on the neighborhood uh, pool team. But, you know, other than that, it was like, wow, it, it's a great assignment. It sounds like it would be fun to do. And what, what it appealed to me about it was that it was racing, you know, and, and, it's, and that's what it is. And I, I love the, you know, the definitive result every night of a medal or multiple medals and, you know, no judging aspect of it. And I, and I think, too, that, they kind of recognized that calling a race um, might be, you know, good good for me as a broadcaster or, or suit my talents, so to speak. And um, and I remember when when Dick uh, talked to me about it, he was, you know, he's he's very he's very nervous. He's very careful. He, he selects very carefully who he thinks should do what sports because the Olympics were so important to him and still are. Um, that it was a huge responsibility that I felt on my shoulders that he that he had given me a chance to do it. So when we did it in '96. I just immersed myself in the sport and uh, didn't know anything about it. But you know, talking to Rowdy, talking to Summer Sanders, who was um, our other analyst uh, on the women's side that, that those particular games, sure. just talked to people, asked a lot of questions, and that's that's kind of how you in our business how you how you kind of get you know um, affixed to a sport is you just immerse yourself in it, and it, it, it's all worked out. And uh, that's but that's kind of how it all started. It's so much fun. I, I mean, I really think it's fun 
to to push the boundaries and 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 get involved in all these in these different sports. I mean, as a writer, for me, that's certainly a tremendous amount of fun. But you, you mentioned something in there, and I, and I agree, by the way, with this with this that your talents really do suit the race. You know, you they suit the the the, the tension of of you know people. You know, obviously, everybody remembers uh, you in in the relay that kept Michael Phelps. Uh, you know, dreams alive and, you know, for eight gold medals, but that tension of the race, is that similar uh, to broadcasting other sports? I mean, is that, do you, do you connect them or are you a completely different person when you're doing swimming? No, you know, they're all different. All the sports I've done and all the sports that everybody else has done are, are really different. They have their own nuances, but I think you're right. I think there is, as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play guy, you're there to, to, to help enhance the tension of, what's on the line and in the case of olympic athletes it's every four years so you naturally have you know an urgency built into each race because every four years they're getting on the blocks and they're going to make their dream come true or they're going to maybe work another four years or maybe that's it because they're out of years so um i so i love that tension of it i love i I, I've, i've said many many times that olympic athletes um face the most pressure of any athletes in sport yeah um, because everybody else has a, well, there's next year, you know, well, there's the next game. Um, for these athletes, first of all, to make the team is a huge pressure cooker. And then, to, and then to get into the Olympics and say, well, here I am now, what am I going to do with it? Because if I don't touch, uh, in a certain order or not, you know, I don't, I don't really achieve what I thought I could, you know, you've got another four years. That's a long time. And I, I think that's a, that's part of the attraction for the audience in the Olympics is they kind of, they get wind of that from from all the guys that call the sports and, and and kind of keep talking about it. They know what a sense of urgency it is for all these these athletes. So I think that tension that is weaved through um, comes across with Rowdy and me. There's nobody more passionate about what he does than Rowdy. And I've 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 had I've had numerous people say, "Wow, I I've, I've never heard you get that excited about a sport." And part of it is rowdy, and part of it is is just the Olympics themselves, yeah. and the and the other part is is the swimming part of it. I find it to be really exciting when that water's boiling and only one person's going to get gold, and who's going to get the silver. You know, I, I I find that to be you know as a part of the Olympic backdrop as as good as it gets. Yeah, I I agree with you, and, and you know you you bring up a very very good point, one that I think about all the time. You've done. You know, you just did the the trials. I saw you there at the trials. Uh, you've done world championships, but there's nothing like the Olympics. There's nothing, certainly from the from the fan perspective. I mean, for for many of these people, Michael Phelps is a little bit different. But for most of these athletes, almost all of them, other than Michael Phelps and maybe Katie Ledecky and a couple of other big big names, they disappear for the next four years for the average American. But when they emerge. It's it's so big and it's there's so much tension and so much you know joy around it. That's that energy is has got to be you know as as a broadcaster in the moment that has to be something that feeds that you feed off of. It it really is Joe as good as it gets. Um, everybody knows about the Michael Phelpses and the and the Katie Ledeckys to a certain extent, but I'll tell you what, Katie Ledecky is going to take on a whole nother yes. level in the Olympics, and and we say that to ourselves in production meetings leading up to the Olympics is that okay, we did eight nights in prime time on NBC, and we had Katie Ledecky's name out there, we had Maya Dorado's name out there, and other swimmers, but once you reach the Olympics, it is an entirely not entirely different, but a much 
bigger and yes. broader audience. And so even that goes for Michael Phelps. This is crazy, but I'll tell you, I, I, I cannot tell you how many people um, – even recently, have said, is, is Michael, Michael Phelps is coming back, right? He's, he's, he's going to be back, right? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I saw the trials, and yeah, he's back. And so how do you think he's going to do? I mean, these are people that are sports fans. And so when we hit the Olympics live in primetime in Rio, and Michael Phelps gets on the blocks for the first time in the 200 fly, which is going to be you know three days deep, a couple days deep into the Olympics because he's not doing the 400 IM for the first time, we're essentially going to be, in a way, reintroducing Michael Phelps yes. to the public. Now, people are going to know who he is, but they, they don't know the whole latest backdrop of what's happened um, since London. You know, the comeback from retirement, the visit to the, the treatment center, the baby, the, I mean, the whole thing. It's like you've got to tell yourself, here we go again. We've got to, like, tell the audience what's going on. So that's the fun part, to not only do that with a guy as well-known as Michael Phelps, but to introduce somebody just out of nowhere, like Maya Dorado, who's been on the swim swimming scene, but at age 23 made her only Olympics, and because she's got a job waiting for her in the fall. Right. But we're going to be introducing her, so that's a that's a lot of fun to storytell at the Olympics and get people kind of turned on to these to these athletes for the first time and watch them succeed or or watch them be disappointed. Um, frankly, that's there's there's two there's two streets. Either, either there's the you know the the ecstasy and the agony of sports, and 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 you see it all in the Olympics. It's it's really true. It, it magnified in a way that nothing else. You know, even the biggest events, I don't think touched. Okay, so I'm gonna gonna ask you uh, some of the things you're excited about uh, for Rio in just a minute. Um, but first, I'm I'm actually kind of curious. So how how did you even get into into this? Was this being a sportscaster? Was this a lifelong thing for you? A lifelong dream? You mean to get into the Olympics? No, no, into into broadcasting in general. Oh, just into broadcasting in general. Yeah, I it goes back. I, I played every sport there was. I, I loved it. Um, first thing I reached for in the in the newspaper was the sports page. I couldn't get enough of sports, and when I realized I, I wasn't going to be able to play it professionally <laughs> at any at any kind of level, um, very high, I was always I was always infatuated with the radio broadcast television part of sports and I thought wow that that's got to be the best job in the world to get paid to go to sporting events talk about them either write about them or broadcast about them and I just I I found the the radio and television part of it to be just kind of magical I I listened to Vince Scully on a transistor radio sure. in my bed I, I grew up in Tucson Arizona that we had no professional sports team so our team was the Arizona Wildcats, which I later went to school and, and and got my journalism degree at. And Vin Scully, we got the feet of the Dodger baseball games coming through. And and it was just, uh, I just thought it was magic, guys that could paint the scene and tell the stories of, of sports. And so it was a natural for me. And I, I'm lucky because at an early age, I knew what I wanted to do. And um, I just kind of got focused on it and just kind of prepared for it uh through school at Arizona and uh, just got my first job out of out of school at a radio station and then took the steps and and here I am and I, I pinch myself still every day because I really don't believe I've actually worked a day in my life because it's uh, it's been an absolute joy. Now, did you follow? I mean, obviously, Vince Scully, who who hasn't been inspired uh, to do everything, you know, sports and out, outside of sports by Vince Scully's voice, but was it? Was it baseball for you, and was there a specific sport, or in your mind, I just want to be 
a sports broadcaster and do whatever sport is is out there. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I wanted to be. I loved all sports, and I still do love all sports. And as you get into it professionally, um, you 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 do find particular niches in in sports. And, and my niche has been golf, Olympics, and some football as well. Sure. Um, so those, and I think if when you reach that kind of of level of broadcasting those sports. You, I think the more you learn about a sport, the more appreciative you are of it. And so I've done that with all the sports that I've had a, had a um, ability to broadcast, like even alpine skiing, which is a new sport for me in the Winter Olympics. Yeah. I did it for the first time in Sochi last year, or 2014, and just gained a whole new appreciation. Love skiing, love the whole sport, but talking to athletes and getting to know it, the nuances of it, and talking to the experts – um, I just became, you know, more, you know, enthralled with it all. So um, I did love all sports. I, I could see myself broadcasting all sports, but from a professional standpoint, you tend to find niches where you fall into, and I've fallen into the aforementioned sports, which I love. Golf um, kind of came, my passion for golf came a little bit later in life, and and I just loved to play it, and I got intrigued by the game, and and the guys have played at the highest level, and I just still think that golf, and I'll, I'll, I'll hold it up to any other sport, um, is the most pressure-packed. I, I, I think it's I think it's so cool to watch a guy trying to win a golf tournament or a gal trying to win a golf tournament down the stretch because they're the only ones out there. I mean, they have a caddy, but that's it. I mean, they are, and it's it's such a, you know, such a delicate, you know, balance golf when there's pressure on and to hear Johnny Miller talk about it and to hear our whole team talk about it. I think if I was, you know, I've been asked, you know, numerous times if you could only, if you could only do one sport for the rest of your career and broadcast it, what would it be? I'd have to say golf because I just can't imagine not being a part of those, those big golf moments that, uh, that we've uh, been lucky to be a part of. They're so fun, but it is, it is. And, and, you know, again, from a writing perspective, it's such a different, they're so different, you know. I mean, you yeah. talk about Alpine, and and one of the things I've always thought is so great about your about you and swimming is, you know, they're all in the pool. It's really the first one to touch the wall. I mean, you know, and there's there's just a there's a tension that comes with that. There's an excitement that comes with that. Uh, the the water's flying everywhere. There's a there's a visual thing, but with Alpine skiing you're against the clock. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no, so that's right. different. And golf is different the same way. You're, you're going for a score. A lot of times it's in the clubhouse. And yep. so, so from a, from a, you know, storytelling perspective, you have to sort of change, don't you? When you're, when you're broadcasting these different ways. You do. You, you know, when you, when you first start a sport, you kind of have to find your way a little bit in that yeah. regard. I've, I've, I've pretty much found my way in swimming because I've done so many races uh, with Rowdy and so many, big Olympic races and world championship races that have kind of found the rhythm. I still listen to, I still listen to races and think about ways that we can get better, but it's fairly fine tuned and I feel pretty confident about it. But when you're talking about Alpine skiing, you're, you're, you're learning those, the different kind of techniques or, or different things to throw in there at the right times. And so you've got different gears, you know, you've got to have a different gear for a semifinal or in skiing, uh, you know, a, a first run versus the gold medal run. So there's all these different kind of gears you're finding, and you only you only find them by just kind of be, getting thrown in there and doing it because there's no real, you know, training guide or 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 book that you can open up to say, okay, uh, here's the rules of alpine skiing, how to broadcast it, and uh, here's uh, all of you know, here's the ten most important points. It's just 
it isn't out there. You got to go and throw yourself into it, or have the opportunity to have someone who trusts you enough to throw yourself in, to throw to throw you into it, to give you an opportunity to do that. So, I've been lucky with the folks at NBC that have given me um, some great opportunities and some great sports, um, real high-profile Olympic sports, which I love, and in the sports that I do, uh, you know, outside of the Olympic years. So yeah, they 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 are different, and you, like I said, you know, people that. That hear me do swimming are like you. This you the, you're the same guy that does golf. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm that I'm that guy. But golf is such a different, quieter sport. Now I'll raise it a few octaves if Tiger Woods sinks a 15 footer to get into a playoff with Rocco Mediate at the you know at the U.S. Open. Sure. But those moments are a lot fewer than every single touch to the wall, basically in an Olympic final, which is going to change somebody's life and be that big a deal because it first of all happens every four years and it's in front of a huge audience of, of viewers. So they're all different, but uh, they're all fun. And you just kind of try to figure them out along the way. Absolutely. All right. Well, give me, give me a little bit, a few of the, the stories, obviously you go in uh, and, and, you know, I, I talked about this with Tom. There's so much research and there's so much work preparation uh, that goes into this. So you go in, obviously, knowing uh, you knowing all the stories. You have to know all the stories because anything can can happen. What What are some of the stories you're excited about going into Rio? Well, first of all, no surprise is is Michael Phelps. Sure. And I think uh, how is he going to end it all? And I, I truly believe that this is it. Even though he goaded us all into saying that this is his <laughs> final Olympics four years ago, I still every time I see him, I'm like, geez, Michael, you know you. We called every one of your races like that was it because you were so adamant on that being your final Olympics. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to end it all. Um, and I think that if you you know him and you've been following what he's been doing, he, he first of all, he's trained for these games so much better and harder than he did four years ago, which speaks to his talents that he was still able to have a, a good games in London. Um and he even compared the training for these games as better, more intense than he was in China when he won eight gold medals. So that'll that tells you a lot. He now he's 31 years old, so he's a he's older, and he's not swimming as many events as he has in the past. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to end it. He's he's the greatest competitor I've ever been around swimming wise by far, um, clutch, um, competitive, and absolutely the most talent I've ever seen of any swimmer. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to put that period on the end of his career and kind of, you know, swim out into the sunset, so to speak. So Phelps is, is really the guy that I'm probably looking to looking forward to the most. And I think really the world is looking forward to seeing how he's going to, how he's going to end it. And then after that, there's, uh, you know, there's so many other stories. I mean, you know, Missy Franklin, who was the, the darling four years ago, yeah. Um, hasn't had as much success this time around as far as going into the games, um, but you know, gutted it out, made the team in a couple of individual events, and will swim a relay. But she'll swim three events basically versus seven that she swam four years ago at the age of 17. So, Missy, it's going to be interesting to see how Missy um, reacts, see how see what she can do with just her her smaller program, and then after that, you've got Ryan Lochte, obviously, who is not quite the same guy he was four years ago, but he gutted it out and made another team. And then you've got all these these rookies, these first-timers that are experiencing it for the first time, like Maya Dorado, who's swimming 
three individual events and certainly could medal in all of them. And I would say, though, secondly to, to Phelps, as far as American swimmers goes, is Katie Ledecky. And because I, no one really knows how good she is. There's been some articles out, obviously, that I've read and that people in the swimming community know about her and know how incredible she is. But when people turn on the TV and, and are watching the Olympics you know, next month in August, they are going to be blown away by how good and focused this gal is. And they're going to be blown away by how much, and I, I shouldn't say this because no race is, you know, is over. It's, it's how many times have we heard that expression. It's, it's, you know, on paper, this and that, but she, she could win the 800 free by 10, 11 seconds. Right. And she could win the 400 free by several seconds. And then she's got a 200 free that she's competing in that, uh, it's pretty crazy to think that she spans 200, 400, and 800. And if there was a 1500, she'd win that too. So um, we haven't really seen an Eric Hyden kind of performance from swimming in, you know, as far as you know, spanning the distances in yes. freestyle. But uh, she's she's really special. So I'm looking forward to her as well. And then I could talk international swimmers as well, but uh, I don't know. I don't think you have enough time on the podcast to well. do that. <laughs> well, but I, I do want to talk a little bit more a little bit more about Katie Ledecky because I'm actually writing a piece exactly that about about there being no 1500 for women and and it going back to to a to a sort of a, a time that uh, that uh, you know we we think we've moved on from but 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 we have not and and the the sad thing to me is it, it's you know there's no 800 in the men so it's not like she's missing out on a medal she's going to get right. her medals but what an opportunity it would be for us to see her push the boundaries in the 1500. I mean, she, she could win that honestly by 20, 25 seconds. I mean, she's, she's so extraordinary. She doesn't seem to have any tiring uh, in her. She never tires. Everybody who trains with her talks about uh, hating it because they can't keep up with her men or women. Um, she's extraordinary. And a 1500 would be, be a real opportunity, wouldn't it? I mean, just to see, not that she's not going to show it. At the 800, she will show it. But, oh, the 1500 would be something to see. It would. And to 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 see that in contrast, to go 30 lengths of the pool Ugh. and then go down to four lengths of the pool yeah. and be the best in the world at both, that that is the, the Eric Hyden reference that I made earlier right. that is so rare in this in these times of specialties. And that's what made Michael Phelps' run in 2008 so unbelievable it was one of the greatest you know sports feats in history and it sounds like it's hyperbole and all that but we tried and i don't think you can ever convince the american public or really the sporting public of just how incredible it is to swim that many races and to continue to beat people who are just waiting for you in their one race or their couple of swims to try and knock you off so there's a little bit of a parallel with what Phelps did in 2008, a little bit, I should say, to what Katie Ledecky's doing, because I still Phelps' Phelps's performance stands alone. But Ledecky will swim all these races. There's Remember, there's a preliminary, there's a semifinal in the 200, what she's going to swim. And obviously just a preliminary and a final, I say just, in the longer races. But she's also going to be a part of the relays. So she's going to be the busiest, uh, the busiest female swimmer on the American team, and she's still the youngest swimmer on the team for the second straight Olympics. She was 15 in London, youngest in the entire delegation, and at 19, she's still the youngest swimmer on the U.S. swim team. 
and boy, are people going to be blown away by by what she's going to do? Yeah, and and your point is is a is a great one about the Eric Hyden reference because what what Phelps did was extraordinary, but it was. It was the 200, 400 IM, the 100, 200 butterfly. I mean, these were... It was crazy. Yeah, 17 crazy. swims. 17 just... swims. And he would go from... He would have less than a half an hour to go from, say, a fly to an IM. Crazy. And while people were resting and ready to go, he, he's like in the warm-down pool trying to get, you know, get his, get his body ready to go again. Which, which you know, he was, he was at, at that age of 23 when he did it, which is your peak physical performance. And that was the only time that it could have been done, and he and he did it. And I mean, it's there's no way it can be done again. I don't think, certainly by anyone past that kind of prime age of 22, 23. And I I, I still don't think it'll ever be done again. And look look at the races that he won to to keep to keep, to keep it eight for eight in the in the hundred fly and the four hundred free relay, which were right out of Hollywood. Those scripts. So you know, took a little luck maybe, but uh, but you know what, he he made it happen. Incredible, absolutely incredible. I got a weird, a weird comparison for you to to, to make because you just talked about how how you, you you obviously you can't be a, a greater competitor than Michael Phelps um, in swimming, uh, and you've been but you've been around Tiger Woods a lot and seen Tiger Woods at his best. I don't think anything could ever touch that that 2008 U.S. Open when Tiger Woods wins on one leg. Those two do they do they do they share you know as as a broadcaster watching them do they share some traits as competitors? Absolutely, and I, I've, I've made the comparison you know many times in the past that uh, Phelps was ti- Tiger in a speedo, yeah, and you know that that came that came ringing true back in two thousand eight because it happened to cover those two events in the yes. span of two months, which is pretty unbelievable. That two of the most unbe- unbelievable performances you know that I would ever get the chance to the broadcast would, would take place such in a uh, close time period. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think the truly great ones obviously have an incredible work ethic and, and also have great talent, but the, the, the mental capacity that they have separates them. And, and I've never met any, any two athletes more competitive than Phelps and, and Tiger who, who just get up every day um, and that's and that's another reason why Phelps came back. You know, I think he yes. obviously he wanted to go out right, but nothing takes the place of that of that of the competition. And those guys thrived in it. Bigger the moment, the better they were. And when you think of Phelps getting up on the blocks every four years to prove himself and doing what he's done, and then looking at what Tiger's uh, winning percentage was, which is off the charts, um, those those two guys stand out head and shoulders above above the rest and not to slight any any competitors uh you know beyond those two guys but they they were special and they, they're they're once in a lifetime i think uh athletes and, and to be able to, to broadcast both their entire careers essentially i mean we've we've done you know michael phelps has won 22 medals 18 gold rowdy and i've done every single one of them yes. including his first race in 2000 when he finished fifth in the 200 fly as a gangly 15 year old in australia and then you know we we knew tiger woods johnny and i have been doing tiger woods's events since he was a teenager in the u.s amateur and take it all all through you know full swing so what a what an amazing seat we've had um, an opportunity to to talk about those two guys through the years unbelievable to, yeah to see those two you know it was funny after after 2012 uh, like everyone else I was a hundred percent sure 
that Phelps was done. I mean, he he was very convincing in saying that. I believe he believed that himself. But I remember talking to my friend, uh, Melvin Stewart, who won uh, the Olympic gold in 200 butterfly in 1992, and he was insistent, and he's very involved in swimming. He runs Swim Swam magazine and, and so on. Mm-hmm. He was convinced he was coming back. He said, when you're that great a competitor and you've been swimming that long, yes, you'll, you want to you want to be away, but as long as your body, you feel like your body can do it, you can't, you can't stay away. You have to be a part of it. And, and I, I think that's what we've seen with, with Michael Phelps is he, he realizes, Hey, I, you know what? I can do this one more time. And once he realized that and fully got through all of the, you know, I, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Once he got through that wave, uh, you know, I think he's come back with a, with, with a different level of joy for the sport than I think we ever saw before. No doubt. And I think the people that will watch him in Rio are going to pick up on that. Um, and obviously, he's always been cordial with us uh, with, the, with the post-race interviews, pre-race interviews, and has given us great accessibility. And it's been good with, uh, with our interviewers. But I think, I think people are going to naturally see a, a, a much different Phelps. I mean, I, you know, I've known him personally for years. And I, the, the change in what has happened in the last few years after the London Games is incredible, and I think people um, are going to pick up on that that watch him. They're going to see more of a joy for the sport. They're going to see more of a um, soaking it in, absorbing it now. He was talking about that in London, and but you know what? It, that was really a facade because yes. he was actually miserable, and, and, and we'll get into that uh, during the games a little bit to kind of paint that story for the people and just tell them what this guy was going through. But I think everybody's going to pick up on, on the joy that you talked about, and just one last time the right way you know i think i think that's going to be an incredible story to follow through through his final games it's it's definitely noticeable and anybody that knows him on a personal level has seen the change and it's just for the better he's a father he's more mature he's still fiery he still wants to kick everybody's ass in the <laughs> pool but uh it's it's definitely um, a more joyful spirit, no doubt. No question, no question. All right, before I let you go, I have to ask you uh, at least one golf question. And uh, we have the PGA coming up. It, we are in a different phase, I would, I would argue, in that, in that, you know, we've been sort of in the post-Tiger phase for a little while now. He's, he hasn't played for a long time, even when he played uh, in his most recent, uh, you know, version of him. He was not himself. We don't know when he's going to come back. But I, I would sense that now the sport is moving on. I mean, it has to, you know, it has to move on. And we've got all these great young players. What, what do you, what do you think of the game right now and, and, and where it's going with, with all of these young players and, and, and not, not so young players and Dustin Johnson who has been playing great. Where, where do you see the game right now? You know, it's funny. It's, if you would have asked me this, you know, right when Tiger was, you know, hurt and having, you know, yes number two back surgery or whatever, I would have been like, oh, it's just not going to be the same. It's it's going to be different. It's not going to be quite as fun to watch a major championship without Tiger in there. And it it, it is not quite, you know, it doesn't quite have that right. electricity that only Tiger can provide. But it it is it is gone ahead more more uh cap- more than capable of being, you know, riveting stuff with a with a Jordan Spieth and a Jason Day and a Roy McIlroy and Ricky Fowler and all these guys, Dustin Johnson that have come up. I, 
not that I underestimated these guys, but the year that Jordan Spieth had last year and Jason Day had last year, that was Tiger-esque yes. for, for one summer, which which reminds you of how incredible Tiger Woods was, who did it year after year and summer after summer and and, and posted all the all the wins that he did. But it just goes to show you that there's more guys that are capable of, of having those kinds of spurts, which are Tiger-esque that I think makes it more competitive. And, you know, hey, everybody likes a dynasty, and I think Tiger's ratings prove that When even when he was winning, you know, championships by eight shots, he was still moving the needle big yes. time. But I think, I think from a, a competitive uh, standpoint, um, when you go into a major now, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that Jordan Spieth's going to have it, you know, Jason Day's going to have it, and Roy McIlroy's going to win by eight. So I think from an intrigue standpoint of you know who's going to rise up, who's going to get it done this week, golf is in is in best is in the best shape it's been in in years in that regard. Tiger brought his own his own recipe and his own aura and you know in that that magic. But I think golf is uh, just as good a shape and even better shape depth wise uh, in the years to come. It's really interesting. I, I was I was stunned I was, when I was at the Open, the crowds around Dustin Johnson, it was, it was Tiger-esque. I mean, I, I don't know if the numbers were quite Tiger-esque, um, but the enthusiasm for him, the excitement, watching him hit, you know, these impossibly, you know, 400-yard drives, 370-yard drives, whatever, was, was just as thrilling for them. Uh, he can't replace Tiger. Rory McIlroy can't replace Tiger. Jordan Spieth can't replace Tiger. Jason Day can't replace Tiger. But it is interesting when you put them all together, uh, what we yeah. just what we just saw at the British Open was we never saw that we never saw right. a duel quite like that yep. even during the Tiger era. Yeah, by a forty and a forty six year old, and <laughs> you don't think Tiger was back home watching that and yeah. going saying to himself at the age of forty, which he is, how cool that would have been to been oh. a part of that. And that's what I think everybody still kind of yearns for yes. is one last run by Tiger at the age of forty or forty one in this case, since he's done for this season. Um, but can Tiger make one last run, just have one kind of magical Sunday with Rory McIlroy or Jordan Speed? How incredible would that be? Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that that would be just the ultimate scenario to see uh, before Tiger's career is over. Um, but it's it's it seems pretty unlikely now, doesn't it, that that he's going to get out there and be competitive? It does. Here's the thing: it would be the greatest. I, I've said this. Many oh times. yeah. It would be the greatest because you have all of these young stars who have established themselves now. If he could just stay healthy, and I really believe that's what it's about. If he could just stay healthy, in your heart of hearts, do you think it can happen? I if you had if you if you had me up against the wall and you said it, you know, and it was it, you know. I, I would have to say no. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't used to say that not too long ago, but I think the longer time has passed uh, between Tiger getting out there and being competitive, I think the harder, harder it's going to be. But you know, it, it's funny if if you if if for some magical Sunday we could see oh. Tiger and McElroy and Jason Day and Ricky Fowler go at it with Tiger in the mix, I guarantee you. Now I don't know if it would approach the 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 major championship golf record numbers that CBS had for the Masters win in 97, which is still the standard, I think, sure. of a 14 rating. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, it would get close. It would get, it close. Would, it would get up there because people know Tiger. They, they, they are enthralled with him, and, and they're just not quite ready to 
let him call it a career, even though uh, we're getting probably closer to that. But yeah. uh, I'd like to see him come back. I, I know he is. Good. I think he is going to come back and play. There's been speculation that he's not even that he's done. Yeah. Um, I, I find that hard to believe. Um, but you never know. I, but certainly from selfish standpoint of doing what I do and doing what we do, I'd love to see him come back and uh, give it one more shot. That's exactly how I feel from a very selfish. I would, to me, you know, I was there in 97 writing that I would love to write one more Tiger. Oh yeah. You know, one more And I think everybody that's what everybody that's followed his career would love to see it. Um, you know, once, twice more, whatever, but just something to give us. One last, uh, you know, little better image of Tiger playing like uh, like like he did, because no one has approached it. You can talk about Rory and Jay and all these guys. I'm telling you, 142 consecutive cuts that he made, and the 14 majors, and the you know the PGA Tour wins. It's 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 a it's a bar that's been set that uh, it's it's just almost impossible to climb over. I agree. I agree. Well, Dan, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. This has been fantastic. All right, Joe. My pleasure. And uh, just by talking to you, um, I'm, I've gotten more nervous. I've got I got I got to get back to studying for the for the for the Rio games and then getting these international swimmers especially down. So anyway, always a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care.